yeah, yeah. Soon as my feet touch the floor today, one mission. Well, hey, thank you for joining us. My name is David Skidmore. You are listening to Leader Growth with David Skidmore. At Leader Growth, we are committed to helping people and organizations overcome challenges and experience transformation. I know leadership can often feel difficult, complex, and overwhelming. To honor your time, each podcast will address real leadership problems and give you a simple step to grow as a leader. If you would like to download the show notes to follow along with today's episode, you can find them at leadergrowth.us forward slash podcast. That's leadergrowth.us forward slash podcast. I would like to say a big thank you to all of you who have listened and left a review. And I would love it if you would continue to share this podcast with your people. And if you haven't yet, would you leave a review of the podcast? Here's what one of our first listeners Evan Faye said, the first episode of the Leader Growth Podcast has me hooked. David unpacks a concept that, at least to me, doesn't immediately come to mind when thinking of leadership, but makes a compelling case for why it should. Looking forward to experiencing the format of Lesson Plus Leader interview each week, too. Everyone should have a listen. Well, thank you, Evan, and thank you to all of you who will share, subscribe, and review this podcast. Let's go ahead and jump into content for today's episode. One of the greatest challenges you will face as a leader is the challenge of how to lead with the heart. So many leaders can end up living and leading defensively because of previous woundings. Their hearts unfortunately can become disconnected from their people and they never truly achieve the impact they desire. At Leader Growth, we believe the transformation begins for leaders and their organizations from the inside out. So today we're talking about how to lead with the heart. Well, I mentioned the interview format and today I'm really excited to share a conversation with my friend, Dr. Rennie Cook on this podcast. Since starting the Triumph team in 2013 in Norman, Oklahoma, Rennie Cook has worked with thousands of leaders from large corporations to small business owners to entrepreneurs launching their dream endeavors. You can find out more about Rennie and the Triumph team at triumph-team.com. Go check them out. That's triumph-team.com. Rennie is a leader of leaders. I've had the opportunity to work alongside Rennie in the past at Salt and Light Leadership Training, where he serves as the head of faculty. As time has gone on, Rennie has become a close friend, and he's also become a mentor to me. I gain a lot from his wisdom when we sit down for lunch at least once a month, and he very kindly pours a lot of leadership understanding and just life advice into my life. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. Let's go to my conversation with Rennie Cook. Leading with the heart. Welcome to the Leader Growth Podcast. I'm David Skidmore, and today I have the pleasure of sitting down with my friend, Rennie Cook. It's good to see you, Rennie. Oh, man. Thank you for inviting me to be a part of your podcast, man. I'm excited for it. Absolutely. Well, let's jump in. Tell us a little bit about the Rennie Cook journey. The Rennie Cook journey. Yes. The Rennie Cook journey. Uh, in you know, fifty words or less, the Reader's Digest. Bring it condensed, on. Condensed version. Uh, so you know, I, I live here in Norman, Oklahoma, and this is where I've spent the last you know, goodness gracious, I hate to say this, the last thirty years of my life. Uh, wow. Pretty much. 
Uh, I grew up in Venita, which is a small town in northeast or northeastern Oklahoma. It used to be famous as the largest McDonald's in it, the world. It used to be. It yes. used to be. Unfortunately, I believe Dubai has passed Venita. As Dubai is doing with everyone. As with everyone. Yeah. yeah. But it used to be uh, used to be the largest McDonald's in the world. Uh, I was born in Houston, so I tell people that I have the best of both worlds. I have Texas blood and an Oklahoma upbringing. And uh, came to OU, uh, got uh, my degrees from the University of Oklahoma in education, had the opportunity to work at OU for about uh, almost 13, 15 years, something like that. Uh, spent a couple a couple of years in ministry um, and then started well, some businesses, started to get into what I call edupreneurship. Ooh. You like that word? Edupreneurship. 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 Love uh, it. You know, you probably have to look at the Urban Dictionary for that one. We right. might add it. We might today. add it. It, it. it can go into it, right? Uh, edupreneur, you know, building businesses with the with the sole intent of helping people uh, through education and living to their wow. God given purpose and dreams. That's what it's all about, right? I like what you said there about helping people live into their God given purpose and mm -hmm. dreams, and I want to talk about that a little bit. We were just talking before we started taping this um, about fear, and one of the things I've committed to in this podcast journey in my leadership journey is I really want to be authentic mm -hmm. with people, uh, which is why I launched the For Love With with Joy podcast, yeah. because I, you know, sometimes leadership can be two dimensional, like you or e even one dimensional. So mm -hmm. people just seem flat um, on the paper. So I wanted people to, to know, like, I have a journey with grief and joy, mm -hmm. uh, but also loss and redemption. So that's my experience. You know, when you talk about uh, fear, you, you actually encouraged me a lot today. I was feeling anxious about this. Um, I just love for, for you to, to share a little bit about some of your journey mm -hmm. of not just uh, facing fear, but how, uh, how you've learned to overcome some of that. Oh, that's a great question. I, overcoming some of it, not all of it. That's the because you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We're in progress. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think the first thing um, that I came to realize is that I haven't done anything wrong when hmm. I feel fear. Wait, say that again. So, I, you know, so I used to feel like so ashamed that yeah. I have this fear, yeah. right? That I, I have this anxiety mm. or anything of that nature, that these emotions are coming up in me. Uh, part of them are just natural. God gave them to us, right? Fight or flight reflexes. That's, yeah. You know, it's so ingrained in our little brain. Um, and But I used to feel like, man, something's wrong with Rennie, right? I, I got this anxiety. I got this fear. I got this trepidation over something. Uh, and man, Rennie must be broken. And... Now, trust me, I'm messed up, but it's not because I experience fear, right? It's a yeah. normal, it's a normal emotion that basically says something's at risk, hmm. right? Something matters. I'm about to step into something that matters. That's important. And, um, that was a huge thing for me because I, it, hmm. it knocked off this, these, uh, chains of like blame and shame. I should, I should be, you know, I've done something wrong or, uh, I should be ashamed of this. Right. And, and part of that journey for me was just talking to other people who, hmm. who stepped out and yeah, it's scary, you know, to, to start yeah. your own business and to, and to leave the comfort of a, of a, uh, of a job where you're very sick. It's a scary thing. Most people would feel a little fear, right. To, to, you know, stand in front of people and speak, which is the number one fear in the world, right. You know, there's something at risk. People are judging. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's, it's, so I think the first thing in your journey, at least for me, was to get rid of the blame and shame that comes with feeling fear. Wow. Right. And realizing that's a natural response often to when we're doing something that matters. Right. And it's it's a natural thing that we often feel. Now, 
there are other aspects of fear that are you know much more extreme so i'm not trying to simplify anyone's fear or anxiety or depression that they're feeling out there there i'm not don't allow me to oversimplify this but I want all of us at the same time to realize there's a normal level of fear that we all face. And that's not to say that what we're stepping into is wrong. It just says that it matters. You know, John Mayer has that line um, in The Heart of Life, and he says, mm-hmm. fear is a friend that's often misunderstood. Yes, yes. And we don't normally think about it as mm-hmm. this is one of my friends. Yeah, right. But my fear yeah. is telling me there is something at risk. Yeah. And I need to pay attention to mm-hmm. what that is. But also... I don't want to live controlled by fear. You've Mm -hmm. talked about taking some risk, stepping out. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's giving you the courage to step forward in the face of fear? First of all, I think I look at my wife and I'm just amazed because she can feel this anxiety that I feel anywhere. It locks me up and it wants to make me just, you know, stop. It makes her just fight and push through it. I mean, I'm just a, and so what I've learned through watching her and observing her and through a mentor of mine is understanding that it's just changing that from something that cripples you to something that fuels you. It should Mm. pick, you know, you feel anxiety, you you feel that fear and you're like, okay, this matters. I need to get my A game on. I need to pay attention. Yeah. Right. And and you kind of get your, you get ready. And that's my wife, Stacy, is the best at it. She'll feel this anxiety. She'll know yeah. it matters. And she she has this, you know, we talked about this. She has this bias towards action. All right. This is hanging over my head. Boom. I'm going to attack it. And I look at her and I'll be, I'll be like in awe. <laughs> How does she do this? I'm like, because I'm sitting there just thinking. I'm like analyzing right. it to death. And a mentor helped me see she just has this bias towards action. She was mm. talking to Stacy about it. She's like, no, I just knock it out. I go after it. I attack and in so many areas of my life, I'm that way. But there are areas of my life where I, I can tend to regress. I can tend to fall. Instead of fight, I can flight or I can freeze. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you said an interesting word, courage. Hmm. Um, I don't know if courage is the opposite of fear. Okay. I think love might be the opposite of fear. Let's go. <laughs> Let's get <laughs> I, into it. I, I really think that um, when we really experience true love, hmm. right, and, and in my in my uh, in my value system, it's the true love of our Father in heaven, our Father God in heaven. Yeah. When we truly experience that true love, you know, it says perfect love cast out all fear. And you start understanding, you know, I'm a dad, two beautiful little girls, 13 mm-hmm. and 10 years old. And, you know, they don't have to perform for me. Right. They don't have to, I mean, yeah, there's consequences in our households because we want to we want to raise up civilized, value-driven, successful young ladies. But it's not about them performing for the love of their mother or the love of their father. It, there is mm. nothing they can do that would stop them from receiving our love. Yeah. Uh, now we want them to walk in honor, right? That's a different thing. But our daughters should never fear coming to us for anything with their problems, with their mistakes, any of those things. But the opposite of that is not courage. Hmm. The opposite of that is that they feel perfect love from us, as perfect as perfectly accepted yeah. as they possibly can. And that casts out that fear. So in the same way, it's just, how can I experience the perfect love of my Heavenly Father? Right? Hmm. How can I experience that to realize it's not about performance. It's, you know, I want to honor Him. I want to honor, yeah. I want to honor relationships. I want to honor people. But it's not based out of fear. It's it's based out of this love that I have for people and this love that I feel from others. First with my Heavenly Father, then my yeah. wife and my family and my close relationships that says, hey, I'm going to mess up. I'm not perfect. I think the other thing is that 
I don't know about you, David. I have this expectation to be perfect. <laughs> this is all my journaling session lately. <laughs> all right. And the only, per the only person that has that expectation of me, the only person in the entire world that has that expectation of me is me. Oh, come on, man. I'm the only, I, I mean, love it. My wife understands I'm not perfect. My yeah. kids understand I'm not perfect. My friends like you understand, and you probably understand very well I'm not perfect. Right? I mean, <laughs> and vice versa. Right? I mean, my clients understand I'm not yeah. perfect, but they the expectation is not perfect. And so when I, you know, so we talk about stepping out. Mm. You know, I think the first thing is to understand that love is the opposite of fear, not courage. When I have love, it fuels my courage, mm. right? But then also understanding the fact that, you know, I don't have to be perfect. I can't anyway. It's an unreasonable expectation that I put on yeah. myself that others don't put on me. And um, those types of things, reasonable expectations and being grounded in love, are, I think are really important in, in pushing past your fear. You know, you quoted just a, a few moments ago, perfect love drives out fear. I like what you're saying here because I think in this moment in time, um, when we talk about love as a culture, we're a lot of times just talking about self-love. Mm -hmm. And for me, my challenge with self-love being all of my answers is I know how imperfect I am mm -hmm. and how imperfect my love is. Mm -hmm. And and so when I step into God's love, mm -hmm. for me, yeah. that that's a sense of identity. Mm -hmm. That's a sense of peace. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it does fuel courage. Yeah. You know, I, I, I want to go back in time when I met you in 2016. Sure. I, I think this is interesting because early on, I would have been like, oh man, like Rennie's a courageous guy. I'd still say you're a courageous guy. I think when I first met you, you were more of a contrarian. Mm -hmm. And what's been really cool to, to see happen is I just feel like I've seen this, this love shape who you are mm -hmm. more and more over the past five years. Yeah. And I say that because in our first conversation, I don't know you. I make a statement and you go, I don't think that's true at all. And I was like, who is this guy? I come from a place of people pleasers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so. But in fairness, it wasn't your thought. You were quoting somebody else. I was else. quoting somebody else. <laughs> yeah. I was. I remember that moment. So I wasn't disagreeing with you, David. I was disagreeing <laughs> with the quote you made. So. But I, I was like, wow. It, I think that's something I've appreciated mm. from the beginning was I knew it would be real. I knew it would be honest. Um, but I'm curious, like over the years, and I'm not saying you aren't a loving person, but I'm, I'm curious over the past five years, how has this begun to really shift mm -hmm. in your heart um, where you're, you're now talking about love more than I've ever heard you talk about yeah, love? I'm yeah, seeing it more yeah. uh, than, than I've ever seen it. You know, I think it's, uh, it goes back to this place where um, I can look back on the way I treated people quote unquote loved on people and it was out of performance Ooh. it was out of obligation it was out of uh you know this is what is required of me um and it's a facade at times right you're mm -hmm. just doing it because you feel that's an expectation and uh, and it really at the end of the day i think it has to the, the reason you do that is because you don't feel that perfect love you don't feel love for yourself and you can't give what you don't have all right so i can't i can't give other people true love when I don't have love for wow. myself I don't have I don't feel the love for my father and so you know gaining those things gaining a better perspective becoming health uh, gaining better health mental health spiritual health physical health um, that then allows me to love um, without restriction now I think that's 
beautiful and I think it's challenging as well. Mm-hmm. And the reason I, I say that is because it's easy when you become the person in, in the room and you're you're the guy who's leading leaders. Mm-hmm. You're the one who's training leaders. And it's actually easy when you get to that space to like distance yourself mm-hmm. from people. They might not know it, mm-hmm. but what, what you talked about there about like the whole performance thing, that's easy for anybody in that position mm-hmm. to be able to do. But instead of that, you just talked about um, you've talked about mental health. You talked about spiritual mm-hmm. health. Mm-hmm. What have you done to make sure that you are continuing to grow as a mm-hmm. leader? Like if we're going to talk about leader growth, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned early on the importance of love as a, as a leader. Yeah. Um, how, how have you stepped into that process? Uh, the hard, the hard, hard work of looking in the mirror, right? Um, taking time, you know, to make sure that, you know, I think oftentimes as leaders, we can feel this need to uh, placate to the to the audience. Mm-hmm. And I was remembering something that Jimmy Evans once uh, was teaching about, about this importance of priorities in your life. And that, you know, that our relationship with God needs to be our first priority. Our relationship with our spouse needs to be our second priority. Our relationship with our kiddos needs to be our third priority. And then the relationships with people... God has put in our life that are direct. We have a direct relationship with personally and professionally. And so a couple of things, when I think about that rings true. I mean, I don't have a healthy marriage if I'm putting my kids before my wife. Mm. Uh, I don't have a healthy family if I put my work before my wife and kids. And it's really hard for me. I don't know about other people, but it's really hard for me to be a great husband and a great father and even great in other relationships that I'm not first right with God and feel like I'm getting filled from that Mm -hmm. well first. So I think first of all, it's priorities. Yeah, that's a really, really important thing to me. And I and I ask people, I ask my wife, you know, am I am I am I am I shifting here to where my life is out of priority? Um, you know, then it's also doing the the heavy lifting of allowing people to speak into your life that sometimes will pull back the scabs, and it freaking hurts. It does. It hurts. We pull back the scab, and but that's how we heal. And so doing, you know, spending lots of time with a trusted therapist, you know, to help me process things that I've been through in my life, uh, helping me see in a different way, uh, a different perspective, uh, surrounding myself with uh, mentors that will speak into me and sharpen me, um, taking the chance to be vulnerable with people, uh, most importantly, my wife. Um, Those different types of things have helped me grow uh, as a person. And from that place, it makes me a better leader. Um, you know, when, as far as leadership development, you're right. I, 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 my main focus is, is leading leaders and not even leading leaders, developing leaders. Right. And, you know, it's pressing into them because the natural for the leaders I work with, there's naturally a boundary, right? They have naturally healthy boundaries with people. Mm -hmm. Um, but I have to push past those. And I, I do that not through, you know, strong arming them, coercing them or anything like that. It's loving on them. And because of that, they know that they can trust me. And so, you know, I had a conversation today where the health, I mean, I'm talking to an executive leader. Uh, we're talking about strategic planning. We're talking about strategic execution. We're talking about how he's developing his team. But it all starts with how he's loving his wife. Right? That, mm-hmm. where, that's the first thing he went to is how he's loving his wife, how he's being present with his kids. And from that place, how the flow in his day-to-day work is at a different level now. Uh, because of priorities but 
first thing that has to happen is I have to break down those boundaries. And I do that. I've tried a lot of different ways to do it. The most effective one is to, for them to know that I care about them and I love them. Yeah. And you, you've said this a lot over the past couple of years, you've said leaders go first. Mm. You know, I'm thinking about uh, something you said early on. You said if, um, in fact, this may have been b- before we started taping, if, if, um, somebody doesn't love their people, mm-hmm. they're not a leader, they're a boss. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Talk to me about that. Yeah, so I can be a boss. I can be a great boss Yeah, and in not really take time to show my people that I care about them and I love them. Right. Mm. Because I can manage them. You know what managers do? They, they manage the policies, they manage the procedures, they manage the profits, they manage the people. And you know, they're just, they're just things we tinker with. But if I'm really leading people, I'm, I'm, I'm le- leadership is extremely relational. Extremely whether we like it or not, whether we like it or not, right? That's exactly right. Uh, you can't lead from the cheap seats. You can't lead from a PL report. Uh, you can manage, right? You can manage it, but you can't truly lead people and lead your team from the cheap seats. And that means you have to roll up your sleeves and get down and dirty with people. And I see lots of people who are leaders, but they're actually managers. Because if I talk mm. to their team members, they don't feel like their their quote unquote leader cares about them, about them as individuals. They care about what they bring to the organization, but they don't feel like their quote unquote leader cares about them as an individual. And so how do you become the, le- the person that your team will go through a brick wall for? See, I've had those people in my life that I would go through yeah. a brick wall for. Clark Stroud uh, was uh, the guy I worked for for many years, mo- most years at the University of Oklahoma. He was the vice president of student affairs. And when I think back on why is this the kind of guy that I'd go through a brick wall for, right? Without him asking, I would take a bullet for him. Why wow. is that? Because I know he'd take a bullet for me. Yeah. Because I know he cares about Rennie. Not, he doesn't just care about the work I do, which he cared about. And he challenged me and he supported me along the way. But I knew more important than any of that was he cared about Rennie Cook as a person. Man. And I knew that he would take a bullet for Rennie Cook as a professional. And I knew he'd take a bullet for Rennie Cook as a person. So likewise, he went first. So then it's so much easier for me to reciprocate and say, he would take a bullet for me. Heck, I'm taking a bullet for him. Hmm. And it wasn't before anything. It wasn't because he was a great boss, which he was. It wasn't because he was a great manager, because he was. It's because he's just a great leader because he cared. And I knew that. Not by what he said, but what he showed. So I'm a leader mm-hmm. in a position <clears throat> where I'm not quite sure how do I walk this out where I really start caring about people, mm-hmm. but I don't want them to run over me in the process, <laughs> right? 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 Like right. how Absolutely. how do I, yeah. I, I, I've seen a lot of people kind of uh, hide behind that fear mm-hmm. specifically mm-hmm. because of that tension in, yeah. inside. So how, how do we start loving people well? Uh, and, and also at the same time, uh, walk forward with confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a great question because, you know, sometimes people hear me and they're like, well, that seems awful touchy feely, <laughs> right? You know, that seems kind of, you know, passive. And I don't think that's anything. I, don't, I think that's actually not love. That's actually abdicating, right? When we love people, we're challenging them. If I, mm. if I love my kids, I'm not going to sit there and say, it's okay if you, can, if you don't read. Right? I love you either way, but I'm going to challenge you to grow into the best person you can possibly be. So, you know, I, I will love my, my uh, executives with whom I work and my clients and my friends and my family, but I'm going to push them. I'm going to call out things in them that I see in them that they don't see. And that's loving them. So, I, you know, I go back to when I was in high school, I did not want to run track. I was a basketball player. I did not want to run track. 
But a coach saw in me somebody that could run. And he kept dropping that in my bucket, right? Mm. Hinting, you can do this, you can do this. He saw in me something that I didn't see myself. I mean, what greater, what greater example of loving somebody is there than saying, I believe in you, yeah. right? And I'm going to push you. I'm going to challenge you. I have high expectations for you, but I'm going to support you along the way. I don't, I don't, I do not think that is, that's a great example of love in my opinion. That is not weak. So I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you what you do well. I'm going to tell you where you can grow, right? I'm going to, I'm going to support you along the way. I'm going to challenge you along the way. And, you know, to go by our friend, Jeremy Kubitschek, that is liberating people. That is freeing them to really perform at their highest level, which in my vein, that is living into the God-given purpose and dreams. So I think, first of all, it's not weak. Uh, where does it start on a day-to-day basis? It's having honest conversations with your team members one-on-one. I appreciate you. This is what you're doing well. Keep doing this. This is feedback is the fuel for high performance. And this is huge. Right? What you're saying is huge. Like how how often are people wondering where Gosh. they stand because they don't hear it from their leader? Yeah. I, you've been there. I've been there. We've Absolutely. all been there, right? I don't know if I'm doing a good job or not. And if they tell you good job, you're like, I don't know really what I'm doing good though. I mean, I, I know you got, I got the results. I need you, wanted, you to be specific yeah, with me. Tell me what I'm doing. And you know, that's a way of loving people. Have an honest conversation with them and not abdicating and just saying, Hey, it's okay. Or not controlling them. Just do it my way. Don't think or not protecting them by you doing it yourself for them. Right. You want to, you want to free them as Jeremy Kubitschek would say, you want to free them and liberate hmm. them. But it means I challenge you and I support you along the way. I think another thing we can do is listen, just listen to them. Hey, tell me what is your what is your what is your dream? What do you want? I remember when I, uh, Clark Stroud taught me this. He goes, he knows we're going to have these entry level positions that we're hiring are of critical importance. But let's don't fool ourselves; they're entry level positions. They're mm-hmm. not going to stay here because because if we're hiring the right people, they're ambitious and they want to grow and do other right. things. If we're hiring the wrong people, they just want to sit there, and that's not necessarily what we want. Yeah. So we want to hire hungry and humble people. But it's an entry-level position that they might move on. And so Clark told me this, and I'll never forget this. For how many years they stay, three years, five years maybe, whatever it is, we want them to look back and say, man, I'm so glad I started there. Yeah. I love that because what what we're talking about is creating a safe space for somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you say, hey, and, and let's say you're, you're my leader. If you mm-hmm. say, what's your dream? Yeah. And I tell you, and it doesn't involve... Um, your business, yeah. Are you going to treat me differently, exactly. or try, or or try and fit my dream mm-hmm. into your world? Yeah. But when I know that you are absolutely for me, mm-hmm. I'll run through a wall for you yeah, as, as right. well. That's I mean, beautiful. Well, I think we're fooling ourselves <laughs> when we think I've hired this position at this pay. At, you know, this in they're hungry and they're ambitious, but they'll stay there the whole time. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think we need to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, how am I serving them? Because I want the best in this position. And my hope is they grow out of that position. Mm. That should be my hope. And if it's not their hope, I should be scratching my head saying, why didn't I hire someone hungry to grow Mm. and to get better? And so I I, I just think that I think that's of critical importance and to make it okay for them to say, these are the things I want to grow in. I never promise positions to people. You can't do that. You don't know. You don't. But what are the things you want to learn? What are the skills you mm-hmm. want to develop? Where do you see yourself? What kind of professional do you want to be? Where do you see your track going? You know, 
having those conversations and then it's just kind of like those Venn diagrams connecting the areas where there's congruence and saying, man, we can thrive in that space yes. together, man, let's make it happen. And that's where the magic happens. Mm. You know, uh, I'm thinking future. Mm-hmm. What's possible if leaders start embracing love as mm-hmm. the supreme virtue? Yeah. Yeah. If they really begin to, to say, you know what? It's not just me because we're all afraid, mm-hmm. but I know I've got team members mm-hmm. um, that are struggling as they come in every day. What, what's possible? Sheesh. I mean, the greatest resource on any, in any organization are the human resources, mm-hmm. in my opinion. There's yep. nothing more important. And so now what we start doing is we start truly positioning our greatest resource in our organization to you know, and leverage that at a higher level. I mean, so think about that. If you're listening to this podcast, what happens if the greatest resource that I have within my organization is, you know, is performing at 2x, 3x, 10x, 100x? And I love what Craig Groeschel is. We need to, as leaders, we need to change the discussion or the excuse from they won't do that to we just haven't led them there yet. The the job of a leader is to first look in the mirror. And I love what Craig says. He goes, you know, I don't like people saying, well, they won't do that. No, we just haven't led them there yet. Hmm. And so as leaders, if we change that virtue to say it's grounded in love, I'm going to support you and I'm going to challenge you to be the best you can be. How would your organization look at 2X or 3X or 4X when the greatest resource within it was multiplied at that level? I think you'd also just see a lot more. Uh, so people spend so much of just not their time, but their gray matter and their brawn in their profession. And what happens if we know the research when people have healthier workplaces, how that affects their families, how that affects their own personal health, physical, mental health. Um, and, you know, I'm bullish on leadership. I believe mm-hmm. what John Maxwell says, everything rises and falls on leadership. Yes. And so if an organization's not working, and, and you want to call me, first thing I'm going to do is look at you as the leader. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's the reality. You either fired them or you either hired them or you're abdicating or you're not developing. It's something about you because yeah. you are the leader. You are the leader. And it, I love what Craig Rochelle is. It's not that they won't do it. Just that we haven't led them there yet. Hmm. Wrapping up on, on these thoughts. Mm-hmm. Perfect love drives out fear. Mm-hmm. Somebody sits here and they say, you know what? My heart feels pretty hard. Mm-hmm. I feel worn out. Mm-hmm. I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not sure I have anything to give at this point. Yeah. yeah. Where do I start? Uh, I think you start by stopping. I think you got to start by stopping. Um, yeah, there's great resources out there, great books out there, but you know what? I, I think it goes back to priorities and you defining for yourself what is truly, truly important. And I would challenge you that it's about relationships. It's not about things. Hmm. What relationships in your life, I've outlined for you what they are for me, right? What relationships in your life are truly, truly important? Because you probably feel worn out. You probably feel burned out. And you probably feel hard because you're you're placating to the populace and not focusing on the true, true people that are important to you. and you got to then stop. You just got to stop and say, okay, I can't placate to everybody, mm. right? I am, there are these people that I truly uh, want to impact. 
and that truly I know, you know, for me, it's realizing that no one else can be Stacy's husband, but Brittany. Mm. Yeah. And if I, if I don't do that job, then no one's doing that job. If I don't be the, the father to my daughters, no one else is. So I have to do it and mm-hmm. I want to do it. Yeah. And in the, those key relationships. So, so many times with, you know, leaders that I'm working with, they got to start by stopping. They got to start by stopping. One of the, I love this analogy that I heard is I love light. Like we're in a room right now. Mm-hmm. It has great lighting. It has sunlight, it has, you know, artificial light and it lights up a room. Pretty cool. Thank God for light. But lasers cut through steel. Wow. And that's light. And what I think is really impressive, if we can become laser focused on what we want our life to mean, it will be laser focused on what I call your 80 year old front porch conversation with yourself. You're on your front porch, you're 80 years old, you're sipping your tea, sweet tea. I don't drink sweet tea, but you might. I have extra lemons in mine. At 80? At 80. I'm drinking sweet tea. You're drinking sweet yeah. tea. I like that. Right now, it's unsweet. And you're looking back. What matters? What are you hanging your hat on? What are you hanging your hat on? You know, I don't know what it is, but you have to answer that question for yourself. What are you hanging your hat on that says that you lived a life worth living? And no matter where you're at, if you're at 70 or if you're at 20 and you're listening to this, you... you you have a successful 80 year old front porch conversation by building it today, not waiting till you're 79. You know, so for me, uh, you know, I want, I want people to look at me and say, there's a man that, that loves Jesus. And the mm-hmm. way we know that is because he's full of love. There's a man who loves his wife. He was by far not a perfect husband, but he was a committed husband. Mm-hmm. There's a man who, you know, really, really loved and fathered his fathers, his daughters. Well, yeah. And there's fruit in that. And there's a, there's a person that he did a lot of things professionally in his life, but his success hangs on the fact that if you look at people who interacted with him and worked with him, they were better because they knew Rennie. See, I'm 47 years old. I have a lot of runway left, but I can't wait till I'm 70 to do that. Yeah. I have to live in the present now and be laser focused if I want to have that kind of life. Well, Rennie, I can say I'm better for knowing oh, Rennie Cook. Thank you. And I will say to, to this, friends, it's so clear for a lot of us, the first step is to stop. Mm-hmm. That's, that's our move is to stop, come back, prioritize, and say, this is the kind of person that I want to be. Mm-hmm. This is who I'm going to be. Because at the end of the day, uh, when, when I look back on this life, as Rennie just said, uh, I want to hang my hat. Not just that... Um, I built something big or, you know, I was, I was part of things. No, I was a leader who loved well. Yes. Right. And that's, that's a beautiful life. So Rennie, thank you for being with us today. Such an incredible encouragement. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me and congratulations on this amazing podcast. It's an honor to be a part of it. Well, that wraps up today's conversation on leader growth with David Skidmore. I loved the leadership gold Rennie Cook shared with us in this podcast. Remember, you can find more about Rennie at triumph-team.com. And as always, you can find the show notes for today's podcast online at leadergrowth.us forward slash podcast. Would you take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast? And if you'd like to connect, you can find me on Instagram at I'm David Skidmore. Next week, I'll be back here with another amazing leader. I'll see you next time. Cost me everything. Never 
front like I'm ballin', I got moves to make. Better with success, I got dues to pay. All good things, they come to those who wait. Yeah, what I left behind from trying to be great. Ain't no secret to success if you ain't working. If you ain't down to hustle, then you don't deserve it. If it came easy, probably go fast. Cause anything easy probably won't last. Hustle be talented.